Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambert, joined as always by my brother on the west side of Los Angeles. Look at that tan. This man stayed with a tan, boy. That's Nando Vila. What's up, Nando? It's good to be back, Waz. It's been a couple yes, weeks. Sir. I haven't done the show. I missed uh, two weeks ago. We were off last week, so it feels good to be back oh, in the chair. Oh, snap. Back I forgot to you. the last time we was on, we had DB on. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Wow. So um, on today's show, we're going to switch up gears a little bit. As you guys know, we like to talk about world football on this show because Nando is a bona fide expert. I'm a newly enamored person, right? Like as a States guy, I was always on that soccer's for girls, blah, 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 nonsense. And then I found religion in the beautiful game. I want to say 
2014 World Cup is when yeah. I found religion. I was yeah. like, wow, I love this freaking game. And so we're going to have to talk about the monstrosity, the the stupidity, oh the goal, the audacity, the greed, the... It's so many things involved Everything. with the Super League. And the backlash. Oh. And we won. <laughs> we took it down. <laughs> so freaking amazing. Um, we're going to get into everything yeah. you need to know about the Super League, the big six, the, you know, the Cronkies, the, the freaking, the Red Sox group, the, the Henry. We're yeah. going to get into all of that. But first, of course, we got to talk about the Chauvin case, man. Um. Yeah, there's nothing to say. You guys all know the facts about this case. You all know the sort of yeah. mini revolution that was spawned by the footage of George Floyd's murder. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that shit changed the world um, in the way that people were so freaking moved to hit yeah. the streets, to speak out, to just be like, "Wow, this can't stand." Um, this is this, this this is a singular. You know what's funny, Nando, is I guess it was two weeks ago now. I had my first Twitch stream with T T um TYT. Shouts to TYT and the whole family over there. Um, mm. be on the lookout for Wozniak live on Twitch on Wednesday nights, y'all. I'll be on later today. Uh, well, I guess it's yesterday for the people listening to it. Beautiful. And so, you know, my first subject I did on there was like I talked about the Chauvin case, but I wanted to talk about. His police chief testifying against him in court. I was like, guys. Yeah, remarkable. I was like, guys, he's done. Stick a fork in him. This is not how things go down. The police chief is saying, he, he violated the rules. This isn't our culture. This can't be our culture. It's disgusting morally and unprofessional. He buried him. The freaking chief of police. I don't even know. How to even compare this in some other term? It's like, you know, it's like a mafia boss actually snitching on one of his own lieutenants. It's like, wow. Yeah, but they do that all the right. time because because they're they have pre- I mean mafia bosses they, that's, they a, that's a dirty little whatever. secret yeah. about the mafias that they snitch all right. the time. The cops <laughs> the don't police snitch. chiefs are police chiefs, their power comes from the their their own force. So they can't they can't leave anyone out to dry. Mm-hmm. Like if they start feeling if cops are feeling like the police chief's gonna leave them out to drive, that that dude's not gonna be police chief for, for very long. So that's what's really remarkable about this. I mean, that's always been um that's always been one of the the roadblocks to this. I mean, my reaction to it was I gotta say, when I heard that the jury was in deliberations, I was like, they're gonna find him innocent. <laughs> I just I've just been that like been that conditioned. I was like, it's gonna be fine. They're gonna find him innocent. And then I saw they found him guilty, guilty on all counts, and my. And this is how like sad the reality is now. Is that my initial thought was like, can you imagine what would happen if they found him innocent? Like we'd be doing this all over again. The, not just all over again, but worse because it would be like it would be just a it would be a exasperated violent reaction. You know, unlike we've 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 seen here in this country basically ever, because you know we went through all that last summer and last year, for, and and if we had amount if it had all amounted to nothing, you know, think about like the 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 defeat and the feeling of powerlessness and the feeling of cynicism of like nothing we can do could ever make anything better. 
So I was just like incredibly relieved um, that that we did see one small step uh, of progress based after this just kind of unprecedented and historic uprising that you that you said it's like a mini revolution in some ways like it really was the the largest uprising probably in american history um and and had that not had any effect on this discrete issue but, right? and because on it is this just one so case obviously egregious yeah fuck up like it so it's it's so obvious because it's Oh, the whole thing is captured on camera. So it's so obvious how bad this is. For there had not to been nothing done would have been like, yeah. whoa. But again, the reason why I bring up, not to pat my own back and say I was right, although that's part of it, is it's just, it's <laughs> just that, bro, it kind of shows you how singular this George Floyd situation is. Like, you, you, there's no comparison. Like, nothing compares to this. There's never been this many people hitting the streets. There's never been something that freaking egregious where the guy had his his knee on the guy's neck and was smirking the whole time on camera, on an HD camera. Yeah. You know, this is like, (laughs) even Rodney King was fucked up, but Rodney King survived it. You know? Um, I think if Rodney King would have died, I think it would have been... A little bit different, but he survived it. So they're like, we just, you know, he just wouldn't listen. So whatever, they had all these things. But this was just like, <laughs> yo, you you screwed this up. And then again, once the cops lined up against it, once I seen, I remember back when it happened, when I seen New York's police union um, admonish it. And if you know anything about New York's police union, New York City, NYPD, these guys, are they're the Gestapo, bro. They don't back down at all when it comes to cop shit. They take the union shit to the stratosphere. When I saw at the time New York condemned them, I was like, damn, this guy's in trouble, bro. This guy is in trouble. It's just you never, it's unprecedented to see the cops align themselves against another cop. And not for, you know, corruption. You know when they do the dirty money shit? Cops will align against them for that, for the PR sort of, we don't, we're not dirty. Right. For the PR, it's basically they're protecting their own asses when they do that. But when a cop goes against a cop for just policing a Negro, that's unheard of, unprecedented. And the fact of the matter is, it wasn't a fellow officer. It wasn't a fellow. It was the chief, the authority. I said, wow, they buried this guy. They threw him under the bus, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> and, you know, people are going to ask where no. we go from here, Nando. It's hard for me to say that, come on, you know, the young woman got killed just yesterday. 15-year-old young black woman got killed just yesterday, unarmed. Um, it's And again, it, because these are the United States of America, I could see, I don't know, I could see maybe marginal changes happening up there in Minnesota where they could try you know, where the thing actually mm-hmm. happened, but you think NYPD is yeah. going to do their job any differently than they already do? That yeah. seems impossible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the um, what I would love to see is the issue of police brutality being, the lens of it being kind of expanded to include the broader issue of just inequality in this country because when the police force is meant to reinforce 
the status quo and the social hierarchy. And so if you change the social hierarchy, the policing will change with it. Um, and I mean, that's the, that's, that's the, at the end of the day, like that's, that is the best solution to all of the problems facing anyone who's got the boot of capital on their neck is to, is to lift up the boot to, to pass social democratic reforms that lift people out of poverty, um, that give people uh, stable jobs, that give people protections and security, give people health care. All those things will go a long way to solving this problem. And I think when you focus it so um, narrowly on the policing issue, which is, of course, you know, a crisis, not, not, not a crisis, but like a moral kind of abomination, like that the United States like over-polices its people dramatically, like compared to any other country, even like the bad countries, even the bad countries, like the cops in China are not like this. They're just not. China is one of the bad countries, you know? They're not like this. I live there. They're, they're not as violent as this. They're, it's not, it's just not like that. Um, so it's, if we, if we expand it to include, like, we have to fund basic services for people can live decent lives. And that will go a long way to changing the fabric of this country. We need to expand the net of our understanding. Obviously, the the tip of the spear is police violence because that is the most naked, um, the the most naked, invisible manifestation of the morally abhorrent and unjust system that we live in, which put which keeps people down. Um, but we need to what we need to do is transform this system, and we need to do it together like that that's the only way to do it um if not the cops are just going to keep killing people i mean that's just that's just the reality couldn't have said it any better myself obviously i'm satisfied by the verdict that goes without saying i'm not going to do a victory lap take a victory lap because i just think <laughs> there's so much more to be solved here and you know we'll we'll be getting into that in the later weeks um rest in peace to george floyd your life actually meant something um so we move on, man. Awkwardly, though, we transition, but we do anyway to the Super League, the European Super League. Now, Nando, Ooh. you know, my basic understanding here is the biggest teams in Europe felt like they share in the profits that they are most responsible for generating with teams in the Champions League um, and uh, even... Premier League, they feel like that, uh, which, you know, it's funny. Um, and they decided they wanted to start their own league and usurp the Champions yeah. League altogether. And that only would, would, would eventually relegate stuff like Premier League and the French League and, you know, Serie A and, and La Liga. It, it would destroy would them. Render them useless. And they did their little announcement. <laughs> and they got destroyed. <laughs> they got destroyed. And they all backed down within 48 hours. It was crazy. It was crazy. I guess the, I was thinking about this, like the way to frame it to yes, someone who's please. not yeah, a, yeah. a huge soccer fan or a, or a, even maybe just a casual fan like yourself. I mean, the only American comp that I could think of would be as if it, it think of yes, college. That's football, the only one. Yep. There's mm -hmm. the, there's the conferences, you know, like, and and there's some there's something to that, right? There's some you know there's regional uh, 
by like you know conglomerations and there's some history to them like the sec the acc the big east the big 10 uh the pac 10 etc imagine but like at some point you know you can imagine where alabama and uh alabama fsu, FSU usc usc UT, yeah. the big schools were just like, why are we in these conferences playing With all these Vanderbilt games? Vanderbilt in them, yeah. Vanderbilt and, uh, y- y- you know, Temple yeah. and whatever. And so they're like, you know, if we played each other every other every week, instead of like, you know, us playing some little smaller school, um, we can make a lot more money. And that it's is true. That is it's 100% true. If every single game was USC, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, Texas, and yeah. Michigan, it'd be amazing. Uh, you know, Miami and whatever. It'd be amazing. You know, like the big, <laughs> it would be great, actually. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but it, it would, would destroy, destroy. Mm-hmm. it would destroy the football programs of basically mm-hmm. every other school because they, in part, survive on the, uh, shared experience of being in the same conference with these bigger schools right they, there would be no there would be no interest at all in a game you know between um you know in these in these kind of other conferences so they 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 would they would essentially doing is like taking their ball and going home the big teams taking the ball so that's what they try to do in the european super league it's an idea that's been kind of floating around for a long time um and it was kind of one of those things that no one ever really thought they were ever going to actually go there i guess they thought it was people always said that people would always say it's inevitable it's inevitable but like when it actually happened everyone was like faced with the fact that man the sport that we knew and that we fell in love with is over and they're gonna do something new they're gonna do something new and it's being done hastily and it's being done in this kind of haphazard way um and they're they they hadn't really thought everything through. Like it was going to create all kinds of weird incentives. Like, I mean, I think we were going to get into a situation kind of like is happening in baseball and to some extent the NBA in which there's so many meaningless games and, and, and there's so many kind of uh, games. There's so, there's kind of an incentive for teams to tank. I mean, this happens a lot in baseball. Like I'm from Miami. I know this from the Florida Marlins. Like the Florida Marlins made a decision at one point where they were like, we're going to get a shit ton of money from these TV deals, no matter what. Why spend would money. we spend any money on players? Like, why would Baseball's we put out a, rules are such that product. you can keep young players under cheap deals forever. And when they want their new deals, bye. We start the cycle all over again. We suck forever. We get a bunch of extremely talented young guys, pay them nothing for it, win, win, win. And then when they want to go, and then, then we keep doing it. We never have to actually pay anybody. And, and baseball figured that out a long time ago. And, and you know, what I wanted to talk to you about too, Nando, that people, that I think is really at the root of this. I remember having a conversation with my man, Sam Esfendiari. Um, He's a beast, big NBA Twitter head. Um, he's, a, he's a beast. Um, and I was talking about, yo, people got to stop bitching about players leaving their teams. Like, who cares? European soccer is the most powerful shit in the world. Their players are constantly moving, constantly leaving. Nobody cares because they love the sport. They love the team. And then Sam explained to me, he's like, bro, you can't compare the Charlotte Hornets to Southampton. No. No. The, 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 the traditions are so no. freaking rooted. It's yeah. insane. It's lit. These teams are literally part of the community. So this is at its heart a story about two forces. One of them is globalization. And the other one is capitalism. And <laughs> the Americans, 
the, the, the ruling class in America figured out a long time ago um, that we just need to up, we need to, we need to turn these teams into brands and we need to uproot them from the, the communities and things like that. I mean, like the Bernie's, Bernie's book, like the first, like half of the first uh of the first section of his book is him ranting about how pissed off he was when the brooklyn dodgers left brooklyn and went to la <laughs> you know I think, like that to a european is so unthinkable the teams just move like what are you talking about <laughs> like are you fucking crazy <laughs> Are you fucking crazy? What Americans figured Wait. out a long time ago. It's like, who gives a shit about the people who support the team in, yeah. in fucking Brooklyn? I don't give a shit about these people. Like they're just they're just this numbers on a ledger. Yeah. They're just numbers on a ledger. There's no difference between these people and the other. But European teams didn't never did that. Never went never did that kind of traumatic thing in the in the 50s and 60s or whatever when the franchise thing started in the United States. And these teams really are rooted in these local communities. And in fact, they sell that as part of their appeal. Like, yep. how many fucking You'll Never Walk Alone tattoos have you seen in, in L.A.? You know, because like Liverpool sells the passion of Anfield and the cop, you know, like their, their supporter and, section. And the whole, and they like do their whole working class shit. Oh, they yeah, do yeah. their That's whole part of freaking the whole, whole appeal. Yeah. They're not just some fucking brand. You know, they're, <laughs> it's something more than that. But they want, like, at, the logic of capitalism is, is antithetical to local communities and supporter mm-hmm. bonds and the sort of emotional ties that people have these things. The logic of capitalism is to turn people into consumers, is to commodify everything. Like we've seen it with our fucking relationships, you know, like we're now, you know, through the uh, presence of like, you know, apps that, that that make money off of our desire, desire to get laid, essentially. Um, so they commodify everything and turn it into a product and turn you into a consumer. Um, and that's what this was about. This was about, these are just now global brands. They they're they're supporters for Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United and uh, Milan all over the world. And so it doesn't matter that they play in these local leagues. In fact, it is a hindrance to that, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. It is a hindrance to that. I was, I was convinced that when I, when I, when the super league was announced, I was feeling incredibly bleak about it on Monday. I was like, I'm not, I'm I'm, going to lose interest in this sport. Like I'm going to lose interest. Like I'm, there's no way (laughs) I'm going to continue um, I was like, I was ready. Like I was feeling really blue. And apparently Nando, and... a lot of people felt like that. Like you got, you totally, you're ruining this thing that we like completely ruining it for what? For money. <laughs> for money. And so I, I was convinced that they were going to like create into franchises and they were going to start moving teams around. Like, you know, it doesn't make sense to have four teams in London. Let's move Tottenham to Singapore. You know, <laughs> why wouldn't we? You know, like, why wouldn't we? <laughs> and the thing is, is these, these teams, which have these unbelievable local roots, right? They have these incredibly strong local roots. And like I said, it's part of their appeal. It's part of why they are appealing to a mass audience. They've been taken over uh, on the one hand by oligarchic interests in Russia and in the Gulf. But on the other hand, good old fashioned American capitalists yep. <laughs> like the Glazers and Manchester United, probably the most famous case. But now Liverpool is owned by Americans. Uh, Arsenal is owned by Americans. Tottenham is owned by Americans. Roma is owned by Americans. AC Milan is owned by Americans. And Americans, they like their, they, they, they like to govern their sports in the way Americans do it, which is, we control everything. Yeah. These are brands. We move teams around however the fuck we whenever the fuck we want. 
Um, and, and also, and, and we don't, and we don't, and we crucially want to ensure that we're in the league every year. That's right? that's, that's what one I of the was problems. just about to say. This freaking yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about the Big Six, specifically in the Premier League, is that the Premier League only sends four teams to the Champions League every single year. So inevitably, two yeah. of the Big Six are left out every year, and. Right. The oligarchs who own those teams are like, hold on, I can't. Like, ca- what the fuck? I can't count on what the Champions League shortfall every year. No, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so when the Glazers bought Manchester United, which they did it by the way in something called the leverage buyout, which is something that should be illegal. Legal. Mm-hmm. It's basically they take out a loan to buy the team, and then they transfer the debt away from themselves to, to the, the team. team. So now the team own has the debt. But they're the owners. And it's like, how, wait, how? What? Yeah. How did, that, how did that happen? It's a sham. And the Glazers, who obviously own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, congratulations to them on just winning the Super Bowl. Um, they're like, we're in the NFL every year. Like, I mean, there's no shot. Like, in the Champions League, which is the biggest deal, uh, you know, like they looked at Manchester United. They, oh, yeah, we qualify every year. Then they bought the team, and all of a sudden, they don't qualify every year. Like, Manchester United <laughs> is not, they, they not stuck qualified up the for the Champions ever League. since Alex like, Ferguson retired. Exactly. <laughs> so they're like, Wait, what the fuck? You telling me like I paid? Well, I took out a loan to pay uh, all this shit, but I don't get to be in the fucking Champions League every year. Are you insane? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> so, by the way, but again, by the that- way, these ultra capitalistic, quote unquote, competitive motherfuckers. Where's your competitive spirit? How come you don't no, no, make no, no, the no. Ca- the Champions no, no, no. League every year? No. You should take it as a personal no. freaking. Failing of no, yours no, no. that That's you don't make the damn Champions League, brother. Where's watch your team so trash that you don't get to make it and get that bread? They don't think that way. They fix the no. fight instead. They yeah. know they can't yeah. win the fight fair and square, so they fix it. That's that's just that's just good old capitalism in a nutshell. And, and there's so many funny details. There's so many incredible. <laughs> like for, I'll just give you one detail, right? And it's not to say that the status quo of soccer is any good, and the and the you know no, soccer has very deep is, basic is, problems is that need to be reformed. Yeah, and 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 UEFA, which is the governing body of European soccer, is like a corrupt organization, and they're evil, and that's true. But the 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 head of UEFA is a guy named Alexander Seferin. He's a Swiss guy. One of the leaders of this Super League movement was a guy named Andrea Agnelli, who's the son of the Agnelli Titan, the like the owner of Fiat, Ferrari, mm. and crucially Juventus. Mm. And so, the for the last couple of years, the European clubs who are represented in a group called the European uh, Club Association or something like that, the ECA. Uh, of which Agnelli is kind of the the point person to negotiate the new format of the Champions League with Agnelli. He's been negotiating personally with uh, Seferin for the last couple of years on the new format of the Champions League. Seferin is godfather to Agnelli's daughter. <laughs> they are close, these people. <laughs> Seferin is telling Agnelli, okay, we're going to do the new Champions League, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally fine, totally fine. These are the terms, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, this is like, they reach an agreement on the new Champions League on Thursday. Okay? Wow. On Saturday, wow, the Super League, wow, all, like all the clips are calling each other. Yo, the Super League, the Super League. We got to do. They all sign up in one day on Saturday. Wow. And then Agnelli starts hearing. Uh, sorry, Seferin, the head of UEFA, starts hearing rumors. Like, what the fuck? You know, like I'm hearing this is happening. And Agnelli tells him, No, 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 don't worry, nothing to worry about. Agnelli's like, Okay. Uh, Sunday morning, he's like, Let's put out a press release announcing the new deal for the Champions League, whatever. Um, and that way, we put all these rumors to bed. <laughs> And then he's like, yeah, 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 let's do that. 
call me back in one hour. <laughs> and uh, Severin's like, okay, great. Like, he's feeling okay. Like, we're going to put this to rest. We're going to announce this shit. Agnelli turns off his phone. And is all of a sudden ghosts the head of Wi-Fi, <laughs> who's fucking calling him like over and over again. <laughs> and then just the Super League is announced. <sighs> fucking stabbed him in the back. Godfather to his daughter. So um, is incredible. So Liverpool's coach had to come out and speak. Klopp, who yeah, obviously, Klopp. you know, Nando, I had it on personal authority from Nando. He's the second best coach. In the Premier League, y'all. Number two. <laughs> we know who's number one. We don't even have to say his name. Um, he has to come. It's like one in one A. One, it's like one in one Okay, A. we'll give you one in one A. We'll give you that. We'll give the Liverpool contingent yeah. that. Um, he has to come out. And this is a guy who has been very pro-public worker, union. Yeah. He's basically he's a, a commie. Cobb <laughs> yeah. is a commie. And he said part of the appeal of coaching this damn team was... You know, coaching a team that appealed to that, that actually is about that. That's part of the brand. You know, he said that in the past and now he has to come out and he doesn't want to diss his bosses. But he's like, come on, y'all. Y'all know I'm not about this. You know, I'm not about this. No, it's 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 worth reemphasizing, like, you know, especially in England, but but generally speaking uh, across Europe. But it's, it's especially true in England. Football was always seen as the working class sport. Mm. The ruling class sport was rugby. Mm. Okay? Mm. Like fancy lads in the UK mm. play rugby. The plebes play sport. The hooligans, like mm. all that shit, like all that shit was basically propaganda. I mean, there's a little element of truth to it, but it's essentially propaganda to like, uh, as part of like Thatcher's war on the poor in the UK. The whole like, look at these barbarians. Mm, got you, got you. Stadiums, you know, like football was seen as a, the people's sport. The icky, unruly masses. <laughs> the you know the aristocrats. I mean, the real aristocrats do fucking like horseback right, riding, right. fox hunting, and shit. Yeah, but yeah, the, like, yeah, yeah. but the upper classes played rugby. Generally speaking, all right. Obviously, there's it's not like you know, but um, and and Liverpool specifically, the 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 club of Liverpool, which is you know a, a major port city, was always like a major European port city. Was the dock workers club like it was the dock workers union club? And in the mid '90s, for example, like the dock workers went on strike, and it was one of the last big major kind of work stoppages that 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 happened in the UK after after Thatcher and in the height of Tony Blairism. And it was like this big controversial thing. The Liverpool dock workers went on strike, and Robbie Fowler, the center forward for Liverpool, their captain, their best player, scores a goal in the middle of this takes off his shirt and he's got a message supporting the dock workers. Like that's what Liverpool is about. You know, like that's what they are about. Um, And they were going to, these fucking American owners who don't know shit. They don't know dick about any of this shit. The American fucking dumbasses. They're just like, they're just like, capitalist pigs who just want fucking more and more profit um i'm like i don't what are you talking about like (laughs) move this team to singapore this is we paid billions for this like we're gonna do whatever we want we're gonna not do this for some dock workers like no that's not how things work where i'm from brother man but yeah the collective will of european soccer fans um, yeah. And their love for the status quo of the way things are, or just the idea that like they form their super league. Each team now has about 300 million more dollars to play with. Yeah. 
So even yeah. fu- just functionally, even if they stay in their local leagues, like the money is already so, it's already yeah. so crazy. This would make well, it even more so. Like what? Like what are y'all talking about? And not just that, but if they, I mean, it would it it was going to destroy the local leagues. I mean, I, I was going to give the local le- leagues at best five years. Wow, at best five years because at the root of it was. Um, they were gonna. They want. They were gonna want to play on the weekends. You know, like the initial proposal was like, okay, we'll do the local leagues on on the weekends and the super league during the weekdays. But the, the weekends is where all the ratings are for sports. You know, so they were eventually gonna. They were gonna eventually eye those time slots. And what was gonna happen was that the big teams in the super league, you know, because they because they're always in the super league because there's no threat of them leaving the super league. There was no if they, they if can they treat in last this, place in the super local league, league like a preseason matter. game. They could of just course, play like a like a double A farm team, yeah, you know, that's like it. oh, we'll play the kids, you know, we'll yep. use mm-hmm. it as a feeder system for the super league. It was going to destroy the local leagues because the local leagues, in a way, depend on those massive rivalries and the history and all that stuff. Like, you know, it was gonna. It, they were and gonna also, the be fact that you to, have like, to win your local league makes it matter. That that this is course. the barrier of entry to the Champions League makes it matter. You know, um, yeah. so wow. So amazing. Just so amazing. It it all collapsed in record time. It was amazing. I mean, really, this was driven by the fan backlash in Europe, but especially in England, because in England, they really they have a much stronger kind of local league culture. They really kind of foment um, the domestic competitions at all levels. Like it's it's like a big part of their social fabric, even bigger than in other in other places. And they were like, just absolutely like, are no, like this, this cannot happen. This cannot happen. And the backlash was so swift and crucially caught these people off guard. They did not expect it. Like I, I could have seen this coming a mile away. I was like, when they fucking announced this thing, they're going to be riots on the streets. And these people had no idea, no idea why, because they're Russians, Americans and, and Emiratis who don't fucking know anything about about the sport that they're overseeing. They don't know anything about it, you know? And they don't know anything about the people who fucking live and die by the sport uh, every single day. This is so cool. So, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was cool. It, it's cool to see, like, an uprising have such quick effect. I mean, the whole thing came crumbling, crumbling down. down so quickly. Bro, they lined up a $6 billion loan from J.P. Morgan. That oh, was yeah. another, like, J.P. Morgan was like... <laughs> We know your TV deal is going to be so ridiculous here. <laughs> yeah, of course. You guys No, no, no. You guys it makes it makes financial sense for the big clubs. Of course. It does. But it was going to I think, I mean, so European basketball did a Super League, and they have a Super League called the Euro League, and it's been an absolute goddamn disaster <laughs> because they created all these weird incentives. So in America, we're very used to the playoff structure, right? League, then playoffs. The problem with that, as we see in basically in baseball and in the NBA, NFL is a little different because there's so few games that every game is dilutes the regular season. Dude, the NBA regular season, who gives a no, shit? No, it's, it's like, tough. At 82 like, games, it's insane. If they did it... 82 games limited, and eight teams per conference make the playoffs, yeah. like... If they, if they there's limited, no stakes. If they limited the NBA games to, like, this 30 teams, um, basically make it 50 games, you know, some people I only play once, and everybody in my conference I play twice, and keep it pushing, it'd be perfect. People be like, oh, shit, I'm only going to see Stephen LeBron one time before the playoffs. I got to watch that. 
now it's like we don't even know what days the games are. It's 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 yeah. ridiculous. They, they, they've definitely relegated it to you know a non-entity. But it's essentially like a glorified preseason in a way. Yep. I mean, especially with so many teams in the playoffs. Yep. You know, like teams below five hundred make the playoffs all the time. Yep. Like in soccer, the league structure without a playoff, every game is do or die because every day, every game counts towards the title race. Yes. So you're not just competing against the team in front of you. You're competing against the, your, the people near you on the table. So every, every game is like, Oh, three points. You know, every game has stakes to the bitter end, you know, like that, that's, that's the beauty of the league format. Obviously you can do hybrid things. That's why they have, you know, parallel tournaments and the champions league works well as a tournament, but the league format ensures that week in and week out, from the day one in the season, a loss is sucks. You know, like if you lose your opening day in NBA, it's like, oh, okay. yeah. I mean, whatever. It's, it's not that big. It's, of a deal, it's not you know? a deal. Like, I remember when the Heat, when the Heat got LeBron, Bosch, and and, and uh, LeBron and Bosch uh, with Wade. How did they lose? Like their first, like you know, like nine of their first twelve games or they, something. They, they know, started like something? off very slow. It wasn't nine. They were nine and eight. They were which, nine and eight. which is okay. a disaster for a team that was yeah. looked at as going to win like, seventy. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. You know, like exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, the the Super League uh, it came and went, the rise and fall, less than sixty hours it lasted, um, and it was. By the way, why is Arsenal considered one of the big six? Can somebody explain that to me? Arsenal are a team that were kind of in the right place at the right time when the Premier League uh, and European soccer went global, which is kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, the satellite revolution mm. kind of really beamed okay. European soccer around the world. Gotcha. And they were good then. Okay. They were like, they were just like, they just happened to be good then. They're not sort of as historically significant in England as um, Manchester United, but especially and Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool, Manchester United are the sort of big teams traditionally in, in England. Um, and uh, the other the guys who like in the sort of upper middle class who are seen now as global clubs just happen to be really good when the, um, the game globalized. Kind of right. So when the game globalized, it, they happen to be good at that time. So they yeah. grew a global sort of right. fandom at the time. And I, I want to make a point about globalization because I said it before, but the, the the arguments that you saw in favor of the Super League were the exact same arguments that people who defended economic globalization and things like NAFTA and free trade agreements were using, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, like when people are like, the NAFTA is going to destroy the livelihood of like, you know, workers in America, like the, the fucking, uh, you know, GM workers in Detroit are going to be destroyed. He's like, Oh yeah, but like it's gonna lift people in China out of poverty. Don't you don't you give a shit about people in China? You know, and it's like that's the wrong way to look at it. Like there should be kind of everyone should rise up, not like everyone expects the other. So what happened with soccer, with the globalization of the European game, especially, is that it destroyed local leagues, especially in South America, and it prevented local leagues in Africa and Asia from ever really becoming meaningful. Right. Soccer in South America is a big deal. Obviously, Brazil has five World Cups. Argentina has two World Cups. Uh, Uruguay has two World Cups. They it's a huge deal. And the local leagues were a big deal. Like those teams were great. They had great players. They competed. They were fucking amazing. When the globalization of soccer happened, it destroyed those local leagues because all those players just went where the money was. So like all these South American leagues are essentially now feeder leagues for Europe. So it destroyed those local leagues. And it prevented the like a league in, in Indonesia or China or Japan even from ever really becoming a force. Because as soon as a player gets okay, they go to Europe. 
you know, um, because that's where the money is. Instead of letting all those leagues all rise up together and everyone gets money. Yeah. And so this was just a and the, furthering and of the that capitalists process. are like, look, the people who show up to Wofford every freaking weekend, they're yeah. nowhere like that hunt that thousands of tens of thousands of people can't just by definition be as important as the millions who are going to watch in places like St. Louis and Japan. Um, yeah. But they were wrong. <laughs> Well, I mean, you see, you're seeing it a little bit with the NBA again. Like you said, the Charlotte Hornets is like it's not the same relationship to 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 Charlotte that you know, say, uh, a Liverpool has to right. people in Liverpool. But like, I mean, you know, I mean, we saw it with all the controversies and stuff. But like, the NBA has to care about their fans in China probably more than the fans. One hundred percent. The part of it is like this: this is a population that's seen as growing. Like it's you know, it's these are tough questions these cats have to have to answer, but. Man, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, the, the the beautiful game, whatever the fuck you want to call it, my lord, this is this 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 was it's this good. was just sweet, sweet justice, loved it. All right, that's our episode for today, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Um, Fernando and Rob, I'm out of here. Peace.